Welcome to Definitely Something with your hosts Lucas Bean and Tim Cook. I I actually review the markets every here and there, you know, from like uh, energy to like GDPs per quarter and so on. Um, and what I noticed recently, which is kind of relevant, is that, you know, back in like the 2008 recession uh, that kept, you know, for quite a few quarters, if not years, um, that lasted for a few years, basically. Uh, I saw that, you know, for, for the U.S., um, there were, I don't remember the exact figures, but in terms of like savings accounts, there were like $6 trillion worth of savings. And I saw that number recently and it blew my mind. Right now, the U.S. citizens and residents and everything, they're sitting at about $18 trillion worth of savings, which means that they're sitting in the sidelines. Um, basically... If you look at another interesting number, the amount of stable coins that they have in exchanges, it's like almost two times the total cap of like Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, which means that they're not cashing out and they're like putting it in their bank, but they're actually waiting for the right moment. So I don't know, like these, these two numbers, they're just... The way I see it is just mind blowing. And I feel like, yes, this we're heading towards the recession. There's no doubt about that. But it's going to be different. Uh, it's not better, better or worse. It's just different the way I see it. Well, I hope it's, uh, I actually hope it's better because I don't want, I don't want a recession. By the way, welcome Stacky to the uh, stage. What's up, Stacky? Good morning, Stacky Robinson. Good morning. I went to bed to you and I woke up to you. Oh, word, Tim. I hope it's better this time. Um, I don't. I don't remember personally the last recession. Can somebody update me on what year? Two thousand eight, my man. It was hardcore. Uh, people lost a lot of their life savings. They lost. They basically lost. You know, because of the Bernie Madoff situation during that same time period, the housing market collapsed. Um, yeah, it was basically Tim was nine. He doesn't know. Yeah, I was just gonna say he didn't, really, he didn't really get affected by it. But uh, I can tell you, man, it was uh, it was hardcore. It was a lot of people that lost their jobs. So yeah, it's uh, I, I luckily was spared any of that because uh, this I think the space I'm in, you know, the tech space is usually pretty. It it keeps building. Uh, why uh, it's funny that I just said that, but it keeps building. Why everything else is down, and I was also part of like the Hollywood scene and entertainment at the time. So theoretically like entertainment doesn't usually get affected for one and a half to two years after a recession starts. So again, I did notice like people losing their jobs, but it was like two years after 2008. So like 2010 people started like losing their gigs and it was, it wasn't like everybody. It was just like people that seemed redundant. So yeah, I just hope this recession is better because I mean, we, we put so much money, the, the government put so much money into staving off a recession during the pandemic. And now we have to, now we actually have to deal with, I mean, we, we eventually had to deal with it anyway. So now we have to deal with it. So it's unfortunate. Where's Bitcoin at? So is Bitcoin going up at the same time ETH is going up right now? Because I saw ETH at 1600. What's BTC at? I think it was at 23. I'm going to double check it, though. So it is going up. There you go. See? So it's almost 24. Yeah, we're almost at 24. So that's kind of a big deal, too. So somehow crypto is rebounding, yet the economy is crashing around us. It's definitely interesting. 
Well, I think that... Wasn't it? Oh, I'm going to go for it. No, I just wanted to say, like, um, the Fed is releasing the rate win on the 25th, I think, right? 26th, perhaps. So, it, you know, I think that a lot of it, you know, whether this momentum um, keeps, uh, keeps going or not, it's, it's going to depend on the 25th or the 26th, you know, with uh, how many points are going to increase uh, uh, the rates, whether it's going to be 75 or 100. I think that with 75, we're good. But then with 100, even though it's kind of expected... I don't know how you know the markets will react, but I think that it's going to be a bloodbath. Yikes! I thought you just—I thought I heard you just say bloodbath. He That's definitely what? said bloodbath. <laughs> I thought crypto in general was supposed to be a hedge against inflation, anyways. Yeah. Well, it is, but like we've seen in recent times, that it's pegged to the dollar, right? It really is when when the dollar. I mean, when the economy goes down, like crypto theoretically goes down. So it's not like it's. I don't know. That's what I see at least. What do you What do you think, uh, Evan? Yeah, as an idea, it's good, but it has to be like regulated a ton more. Um, you know, like in Europe, in Asia, in the states, uh, for for this to make more sense uh, as you know as a theory. The way I see it is just that. Uh, yeah, it can go down like by twenty percent or thirty percent, but the 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 speed that it's going to go back up to like, you know, the previous highs is going to be much faster than the S&P or the NASDAQ, the way I see it. So uh, if you play this, um, you know, with a smart strategy and everything, I think that you're looking at a ton more gains and profits in general, right? Um, but I, I, yeah, I mean, in theory, it's considered to be like a hedge on everything. But at the end of the day, we, for the past couple of years, we've seen it just follow the rest of the markets, right? Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah, I know what it's supposed to be. It's unfortunate that every single time people go, oh, it's supposed to be agnostic of that, and it's a hedge against inflation, and then it never works out to be a hedge against inflation. So, But you never know. It may, maybe it will. So um, maybe it'll rebound. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe they'll start making us wear masks again in L.A. I don't really know. Um, but we'll, I guess we'll find out soon enough. So good times let's uh let's either uh roll right into like talking to evan here about some stuff or uh yeah i think we should do that evan tell us about mintify man first tell me about you and thanks by the way for for coming on coming into the show this is our second show so appreciate the uh support my man um i've known you for quite a few months i don't know how long i would say at least six months in the space here um in in the nft space and in, in the web3 space you're a really good dude. You have a good idea for a business here. Mintify is awesome. Um, tell me a little bit about you first, and then we'll get into Mintify. Yeah, man, absolutely. And thanks for having me today. Uh, I think this this show is going to be amazing. You know, um, you're you're a great guy as well. I think we've known each other since like December. Like as soon as I came up with the idea of Mintify and started hopping on on Spaces. Uh, but yeah, some some background on me. Um, Born and raised in Greece, uh, moved to New York City last year. I've been in and out the U.S. Uh, for the past 10 years. Uh, basically, self-taught designer, developer since I was like 14 years old. Uh, hardcore gamer, you know, played World of Warcraft during, since day one. Uh, Call of Duty, Counter-Strike, you name it, tournaments, championships. Um, and when I was like 16, I started my first business. Uh, it was a design blog, and then I kind of expanded into like uh, printing inspiration, web design inspiration, and everything in between. I had an exit uh, as soon as I was 18. Um, I started shipping and finance, had to serve in the army for like a year because it's mandatory in Greece. 
Um, so at that time, as soon as I graduated, I was like, what, at that point, 20, uh, 21 or so, I basically worked in a shipping company, uh, shipping and finance company for like six months. Cause I was like part of our family business, uh, which was like super profitable and everything, but had nothing to do with tech. And I was like, you know, a hardcore geek in a sense. Uh, so I kind of like switched gears, um, and, uh, basically, launched my own media agency uh, with zero background, no degree, you know. Uh, so started experimenting with ads, started with local businesses, then expanded to like startups from Europe, got well networked, had some great customers back in the day. And we're also working on our own projects because we were, you know, we're self-taught. Um, we're like familiar with like SEO and marketing and, you know, creating communities back in the day. Um, and, uh, we wanted also to do our own project. So we launched Gadgetflow um, as a, you know, as a side project. And then as soon as we realized its potential a couple months down the road, we pretty much closed down the media agency and focused 100% on Gadgetflow. That was like back in 2012. And, uh, we've bootstrapped Gadgetflow to seven figure revenue, uh, and an eight figure valuation at this point. Um, we've worked with over 10,000 companies, fortune 500 brands, lots of startups launching crowdfunding campaigns. It's basically a product discovery platform, something between like, uh, tech publications like the Verge, Gizmodo and Gadget. Um, but also at the same time, like marketplaces, like, you know, Amazon, Shopify stores and so on. So you can really buy products, but you can discover like real cool products that it would take hours otherwise to, you know. Is it like a, uh, would you say, would you say it's like a product hunt for, for yeah, we were security? way before a product hunt, but it's mostly for consumer electronics and cool gadgets and high quality stuff, not like replicas or, you know, AliExpress type of things. Um, and we've built a ton of features on top of the product. Like you could have a wishlist, you can have a custom feed, um, you know, discounts across the world from different like marketplaces and stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've basically spent my early twenties instead of like, you know, clubbing and, and following my friends everywhere, uh, basically building this company and obviously paid off, you know, ab absolutely paid off and no regrets, 100%. Um, uh, but, uh, I then later, like in 2015 started investing in a few companies, tech related, crowdfunding related. Um, and then I jumped into crypto in late 2015, uh, started trading, uh, I was, you know, as soon as I read, you know, the, the, the white paper, I was like hooked with a concept because growing up as a gamer, uh, I kind of realized that this is the future. Like you don't have to convince me. <laughs> I get it right. Uh, after just a few hours. So I, I got in, I transitioned a, a big percentage of my portfolio into like crypto in general, uh, started trading then later in 2017. Um, and then, uh, basically Last summer, I jumped into Web3. So I was I was moving to the States for good here in New York. And I saw like Board Day Yell Club minting and everything. And I was like, mm, that's interesting, you know, NFTs and everything. Uh, I was quite familiar with the tech, but I literally didn't have the time last year to actually uh, pursue this at all. Um, and then I was like banging my head on the wall, you know, once I saw the prices <laughs> in September. Um, but, uh, yeah, long story short, I jumped into web three last summer and, uh, as a collector, I saw the gaps in the space. Um, you know, I saw that there's, there were like a ton of tools missing. I saw that the approach for some of the products that I was using at the time was not what I wanted. Um, and I came up with the idea of Mintify back in December, which was a thousand times more simplified than what it is today. 
Um, and uh, quickly spend, you know, assemble the team right before Christmas. Um, and uh, we incorporated the business on first week of January, basically. Well, tell me the vision behind Mintify. Give me, give me the uh, what? What was it supposed to be, and how has it become more simplified? As you said. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So I think that basically last year, uh, the way I see it as a collector, right? Um, we saw this bull market in NFTs, and a lot of builders um, focused on you know providing as many tools as possible, as fast as possible. So I call that the first cycle of tools. Technically, um, you know, we saw like IC, we saw all these other trading tools that were out there from analytics to like discovery. So a lot of people tried to just get a product out there as fast as they can, just so they can, um, you know, basically uh, capitalize on, on short-term gains and everything. Um, but, you know, from my, from my side, that was like such a web two experience and rather web three and having, having my background and having basically um, a nice, under, a good understanding, let's say, of where the market is going and how big it's going to be like in the next few years. I was like, you know, there, there has to be something different out there, but there wasn't, unfortunately. So Mintify, we consider it like as part of like the experience layer. You have layer ones, you have layer twos, uh, but all of these layers are struggling right now because they're, they're, they want to bet on the experience, but they, they're not doing that from within. So they're betting on uh, products and, and services um, that are focusing on the experience of actually the of, of Web three technically. So what we, the way we started Mintify back in the day was okay. Let's focus on creating like an innovative UX UI because we you know we're good at that. Um, let's focus on let's roll out a couple of features uh, that were like kind of new to the market, such as the one click whitelist, um, and let's see how that goes. But as we started working on the MVP, we then realized that, hey, we're going to need an infrastructure because the blockchain is just massive. <laughs> uh, and we can't just rely on third parties and we can't just rely on OpenSea's API. Um, and then as I started, you know, talking with more and more creators in the space, I quickly realized also, um, you know, like the amount of money that it takes right now to jump into Web3 as a creator. We're talking about tens of thousands of dollars to deploy the contract, you know, work with people, hire people. Um, properly audit your Discord server, create a website, a scalable infrastructure. So it was a pain in the ass, right? In other words. Um, so the vision of Mintify today, which is complete, I would say, uh, after all these months, uh, is basically we're focusing on three pillars. The first pillar, which is you know what we have available today, is the pro and quant trading tools. Uh, but it's like the next... Um, it's basically the next cycle of trading tools. It's not compared to what's basically available out there. Of course, we had to support that and use it as our entry point into the market uh, because that's the market today. So if we want to have members, if we want to build a community, if we want to have customers in the next few months, basically we have to build a product um, that's, that offers something that they're looking to use, that, that, that provides utility. So we focused obviously with you know basic graphs. We started with trending charts we we've created uh using some some nice technology some you know the upcoming drops and reminders and integrated with telegram and twitter's api um so interesting stuff basically that the community basically uses literally every day at this point um and then the next phase of mintify which is going to be kind of more revolutionary let's say that's coming out in the next few weeks uh basically you know it has to do with um, supporting multiple chains, supporting multiple marketplaces. So the way we see Mintify today is that 
you literally like down the road, you're going to need literally one platform to trade your NFTs, to discover NFTs, to set reminders, um, to shop around like different marketplaces under one roof to see the, you know, the actual value of your wallet, to do your taxes, to export all the transactions um, and a ton more. Like, I don't want to like go through the hundreds of features that we have, <laughs> but this is this is the value problem, the high level and the pro and quant side of things. Then the second pillar was creator tools and the creator studio, as well as our launch pad. So coming from coming from crowdfunding, we've worked with over 5,000 campaigns on you know Kickstarter and Indiegogo this past few years uh, with my Web2 company. And I quickly realized in Web3 that it's not that different, right? When it comes down to launching a collection, you know, you need to, you know, get the word out, do some pre-launch marketing, um, create a community and pretty much everything in between. Um, and in Web3, you know, like what I've mentioned earlier is the cost that's like associated with launching a collection, which is massive. And that basically prevents a ton of artists that, that can, you know, that can pay like tens of thousands of dollars at this point launching a collection. So we basically focused on um, creating, um, we, we have in our pipeline basically create like a creator studio that they can deploy their contract, they can uh, generate the traits, you know, with, with algorithms and everything. And at the same time, create the launch pad uh, and everything in terms of like everything that we're offering, it's going to be free of charge for all creators. And we're all going to take like a small percentage uh, at the end of the job, which is the Kickstarter model, right? And I think that it's fair. And it's going to be an easy way for any creator to get on board it and uh, basically play around with like, you know, Web3 and have their first experience in a beautiful UX UI with all the tools that they need under one roof, not having to go to this website to generate the trades or, you know, to upload uh, content or the IPFS or to hire a developer to write the smart contract. Like we want to take care of pretty much everything. Uh, I can expand on that later, but quickly on the third pillar, which is the infrastructure. So the infrastructure play when we started developing our MVP, it took us 60 days to roll out the product. Um, we quickly realized that a lot of people are trying to do what we're doing in terms of pulling historical data from the ETH chain and other chains out there, um, then storing it in a way that's like efficient so you can pull it within 50 to 100 milliseconds uh, and then down the road, you know, 5, 10 milliseconds, right, for algo trading. Um, and uh, we created some proprietary technology that we're going to be making available uh, to pretty much everyone uh, within the next two months. But long story short, the way that this works is that the infrastructure will have the ability to power entire ecosystems. Um, so basically imagine that I'm going to give you a couple of examples just so you can um, understand what so is it, a, is it an API though? Are you are you basically building an API for people to like partially it's an a partially yes, it's an API, but uh, it's not just an API that you can just pull historical data because a lot of other you know brands are, are actually doing that. Uh, it's more about connecting with all the marketplaces, having a multi-chain connection as well at the same time, and then having access to all the historical data and real-time da data so you can do, for instance, community-driven marketplaces. So imagine going to yuga.com and going to buy or sell an ape or any other derivative and having the option to see across all marketplaces, all the listings, and having the option to initiate the transaction through yuga.com, right? So without having to go to OpenSea. And you as a, you know, board Ape Yacht Club holder, um, you can actually list your token through yuga.com in a nice, blazing fast, safe environment with two lines of code. That's one of it. The other one is imagine like a game, Call of Duty, an example, right? Um, that wants to integrate all the camos and the skins, um, and they want to create like, 
a market like a marketplace of their own. They're not going to reinvent the wheel, right? Like we see some of the biggest companies in the world, they're still using AWS and GCP, Google Cloud, right? They're not going out and creating their own infrastructure. So it's going to be exactly the same in Web3. So building early on an infrastructure that can support all these massive brands, but also the startups at the same time, um, I think is going to be beneficial. Yeah, that sounds interesting, man. It sounds like a, like you're you're basically want the analytics tools and reporting. It uh, sounds like you're going after build like builder tools, and then you're actually going after like uh, building an API or a set of tools that people can actually build ecosystems around. That's interesting, and uh, you know, I I hope that Mintify is like wildly successful. If uh, when do you guys plan on actually launching your like MVP so people can start using your tool sets? Yeah, because I was curious to how long something like that would take to uh, get started and the whole process in general. Yeah, so I mean, a couple exciting updates from our end. So we are about to announce our uh, seed round of funding. Um, so we're looking to hire some 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 OGs from the space that we've been in touch with for quite some time. So we're going to have people that are already part of the community and that have contributed to the community uh, a ton this, this last few months. Um, and uh, the pro and quant trading tools are available right now. Uh, we're rolling out order book. Uh, we're rolling out the quick buy option later this week. Um, and we keep shipping, you know, new features and improvements literally on a daily basis from Monday to Friday. Uh, we also made available like a weekly parliament meetings so you can see like what we're working on. You can understand the vision. There's a 40 minute video that we just published this morning if you go on our Discord. Um, but in reality, in, in terms of like, you know, executing, so the pro and quant trading tools, they're available and they, you know, we keep improving them. We're going to be introducing possibly some staking um, options soon. Um, but the creator tools and the launchpad, we're, we're hoping to roll this out around September. We're already, we've already partnered with a couple of known artists that are going to be doing their drops through our launchpad. Um, but, you know, like, <laughs> I want to tap on what you've mentioned. Yes, we're working on, like, a lot of different things. Um, the good thing is that we have some background in all of these things. So it's not like we woke up one day and we're like, oh, okay, we're going to build the launch pad. We're going to cover like every aspect of the market. No, basically, you know, like all of these uh, three pillars, they're kind of complementary with each other. What we're trying to achieve with the creator tools and the launch pad in combination with the pro and quant tools is basically create a beautiful ecosystem, a Web3 ecosystem that's complementary with each other. So you as a creator, when you go to Launchpad right now and you're, you're hoping to launch your 101 or generated art, uh, one of the biggest issues is that you, you don't have like a dedicated audience. You're, you're supposed to do that yourself, right? So let's take an example from Web2, a beautiful Shopify store. Shopify offers amazing drag and drop tools uh, for anyone to create their store, but you're still responsible for marketing it. Right, like you might, you may have like the most beautiful Web two Shopify store ever, but if you don't do Facebook ads or Instagram ads or SEO, you're never gonna generate a single sale, right? So we we're we're basically. It's all about distribution, is what you're trying to say. It's all about distribution. If you don't have distribution, like you're, it doesn't matter what the tool what tool sets you have, you actually don't have the reach. You don't have the audience to buy your items, and you actually have to go into like Twitter Spaces and actually build up your Twitter following, build up your Instagram following. Um, and build up social proof for that product too. Yeah, you can't absolutely. Just, you can't just say, "Hey, I, uh, I'm an I'm an artist, and I just entered the uh, the NFT space. I, I started a Twitter account, 
now I have all these tools, so I'm going to be wildly successful. No, it's you actually have exactly. to have an audience. You actually, you know, have to build a thousand true fans, one fan at a time, is what you're trying to say. I feel, I feel you, man. It makes sense. Yeah, um, man. Absolutely. Don't have marketing. Yeah, nobody true has fans. the marketing. The marketing part is the, I would say, one of the most difficult parts. Don't the hardest. Wrong. So is the other. So is building. You know, getting a smart contract developer you trust. So is getting a Discord developer that you trust that you can build everything out and make sure that there's no way to hack the Discord. There's so many like obstacles to starting up. Like you said, it's starting a generative project. And yeah, I mean, I think I'm gonna. That's, that's good uh, for sure. Like, okay, a couple points real quick. So the first one, even if you nail. Discord security, smart contract development, you're most likely nine out of the 10, well, perhaps eight out of 10 projects that I've minted this last six months, uh, six or seven months. Basically, they had an awful website experience because they rushed it because they didn't know how to create a scalable website that can sustain 10,000 or 20,000 people minting on a public sale, right? The website went down. Uh, the, the CSS was all messed up, right? Like it's, it's the details though that matter. And that's not a web three experience. That's a web one experience in most cases, right? I yeah, it was actually, I, you're funny <laughs> that you said that. I actually have said that too in the past. Like it's literally these webs, some of the websites that were being built, they were like not even mobilely optimized, which is like, you know what I mean? Like that's just one-on-one. Yeah. Um, and, and not only that, it was, you're right. They were, they were just like haphazardly thrown together and people launched a project and they're like, Oh, the mint site doesn't work. So let's create a mint dot, you know, whatever projects name dot IL, you know, and it's like, okay, great. Now that you have a mint page, let's go. But you know, they, a lot of people defaulted to that because of their websites were just too complex or actually just all over the place. I agree. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you, you as an artist, you're not supposed to be doing those things. Cause if you're not familiar or if you don't have like, someone to work with like a web developer or someone that can audit your server if you don't have the budget that's why that's why we see so many projects failing these days because an artist is not supposed to take on all these tasks that he's not familiar with it's like it's like you're interested in driving a car instead of like going and buying a car a certified vehicle or whatever trying to build it your yourself that's how i see it <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. make sense but it's I not think scalable that's well, not scalable and also like when you build a website that doesn't look good or it doesn't function the right way, you lose trust. Exactly. Trust is everything. You're trying to build trust through the user experience. You're trying to build trust through the way you market. You're trying to build trust by coming into spaces and talking to people and the way you tweet. Every every action you take, you're building trust with people. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the last point from my end in terms of like the pro and quant trading tools, the other thing is that, you know, we as traders, whether you're a degen trader, whether you're just a collector, um, you know, we, we're all over the place, the place right now between different products, Twitter, Discord, and everything in between. And we want to try to, um, you know, part of our vision for our platform, the consumer version of our platform, um, is to basically bring everything under one roof. Because right now, at this current state of the market, it's not that hard. We're not talking about hundreds of different variables, right? Like, I'm going to give you an example with a couple of features that we're working on, like having an airdrop alert. Like right now, if you get something airdropped, how do you get notified? You probably find it under a thousand different hidden items on OpenSea, right? Um, having an op option to see what's, you know, what, what are some of the breaking news in, for some of the collections that uh, you're part of. Like if you're holding a doodle, they're doing a, you know, you're supposed to claim XYZ tomorrow, getting a notification for that. And having yeah, you're, if, you're not the, if you're not in the Discord and you're not following that, you know what I mean, like that Twitter. But it's account. impossible to be on the Discord. I know Discord. it really if is. If you have a it's doodle, totally most likely 
if you have a doodle, most likely you have like hundreds of other NFTs, not just a single doodle. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. <laughs> it is definitely it's tough. Cool. Plus, plus, we're all members of like so many discords. I know. So it's, it's like a one-stop shop because that type of thing is definitely interesting. I personally created my own discord but i hate going to other people's discord even though i want to support them but it's like so many of them so you only pick and choose certain ones to interact with let alone the twitter pages so if like what you're saying like it sounds convenient yeah yeah i mean at the end of the day you know so about building convenience <laughs> and the from institutional uh, infrastructure side the reason we, you know, advertise it as not just an API is because in the compliance, from a compliance standpoint, like we want to make sure that, you know, it's institutional grade because we definitely see um, like, okay, let's, let's sort of, let's go back for a second. So with crypto, it took like a few years for institutions, family offices to haul upon. They wanted to see some kind of validation from retail investors first. And then as soon as they realized the potential, they did their research and everything they, they hopped on. It was it primarily started back in 2017 and it keeps going today even stronger, right? Uh, with NFTs, I don't personally see as an investor, as a builder, I don't personally see like institutions and family offices taking you know four to five years to be involved. I actually see them being involved within the next few quarters. Um, so and currently there isn't like an infrastructure for them to use to pull all that historical data to parse wallets the right way and to do it with an institutional grade, um, you know infrastructure so that's part of our uh third pillar basically having you know providing access to those big players in the market to accurate data um, because it's another you know interesting point like a lot of people are, are claiming right now that hey we have you know analytics tools for uh you know for our product like for this marketplace xyz but not a single trader is actually asking how accurate your data is that's like that's like a, a big gap in the space right now because a lot of people are jumping into Web3 and they say, oh, yeah, I'm an investor, I'm a trader, and probably they just started investing, which is fine. Um, but they don't know that accuracy actually matters, right? And most of our competitors, like the, the, the during the first cycle of all these tools that came out last year and earlier this year, uh, they actually rely on OpenSea's API, which is horrible <laughs> yeah i was gonna um, say I, I was talking to someone uh i believe it was not yesterday but the day before they're relying on uh 80 percent open c api and 20 percent uh the the ethereum blockchain and i was like yeah i think that's probably a good idea to build out um you know stuff where we're not reliant you know so the things that there's nothing reliant on uh you know a third party that can yank away api anytime they want to yeah absolutely so we we obviously experimented with OpenSea's API back in January, and as soon as we saw that, oh my God, there's just no way to scale a product around it because you're dependent. Um, we we basically created our own proprietary technology, and that's going to be part of our infrastructure later on. Um, that we basically index all the collections or the smart contracts as they're being deployed, and then we're pulling data from marketplaces with different methods. Um, so our data is as accurate as, as it can be. Uh, we also offer like real-time data for all the mints, uh, you know, all the sales that are happening across all the secondary marketplaces. Um, so it's really, it really comes down to like, you know, having competitive features like, like, like these so that your members and your community can use to have an edge and have an advantage when they're, when they're trading, when they're sniping, right? That's the current state though. And that's available right now. But 
what we've been what we've been working on for these past two to three months, aside of like defining the vision, which is something I think that we nailed, is what are the next six months and twelve months and twenty four months, and what are some of the products that our community is gonna you know, they, they don't even know that they're going to need yet, right? So we got to start working on those today if we want to have them available in six months or in 12 months from today. Because one thing is guaranteed, blockchain te technology is going to keep scaling. It's going to become more mainstream in a few, in the next few quarters and years. And the NFT market is only going to, is, is going to grow. I don't think that, you know, allow lists are going to grow. I don't think that we're going to see like, Discord is going to be relevant like in a couple of years down the road, right? But as a market and as a as a cap, I think that it's only going to keep going up within the next few years. So builders like our, like myself, for instance, we, we need to prioritize on, you know, innovating and creating an ecosystem and tools so other builders can build, right? Depending on when they're hop on. And the community basically can truly say that this is Web3 from the experience side. That's why we promoted in a quote as the experience layer because not a lot of people are paying attention on the fact that this is web3 this is time for us to innovate this is the right time to take all the good parts from web2 not not start from scratch right because you can't just erase 10 15 years of innovation right no why would you like definitely learn i mean web3 is just another layer on top of the already existing web i mean that's all it really is we're just using blockchain now so yep I don't know why anybody uh, doesn't see it that way. I, people are all like, oh, Web3 is this brand new thing. That's like, it's not brand new. It's been around for a while, guys. We're just now leveraging it in a different way. And it's yep. just another innovation layer. That, and we're adding to the already layers that we've built over the last, what, 20, 20 plus years? You know, like, come on. We got to keep going. So, yeah, man, it's interesting that, that you see it that way, too. Like, it's definitely that you know blockchain doesn't fix everything also right at the end of the day like not everything is helped by blockchain not everything you know what i mean is fixed by blockchain you don't need your medical records on blockchain you don't need all that stuff right now on blockchain until there's like privacy worked out and stuff like that because i know i don't want things on blockchain that that, sh that people are all talking like oh why don't we just put this on block just we can just solve this problem with uh you know blockchain we can just solve this problem with putting it on the blockchain i'm like no that's well yeah every company needs that so. yeah that that that's definitely negotiable like you don't want to get rugged by your i don't know your health insurance or your health provider right um but <laughs> that's for sure the thing is though that it's just that the time is not right yet and the tech can be scaled at that level right um now like today but we're gonna get there whether you want it or whether i want it or not right we're gonna get there and i think that we're like four to six years out from like seeing like mass adoption. I think that, you know, like there are some, some industries that are going to adapt like way faster, uh, compared to like obviously governments and, and entire countries. Um, so for instance, like ticketing, right? Like that, that's the most obvious example, right? Um, then we're going to see like airlines, then we're going to see like memberships and, and token gating, like, you know, IRL memberships and stuff like that. So I definitely see that, you know, you're, <laughs> I, I definitely see like a lot of people having a ton of NFTs. Like I'm going to give you one example. Most of you probably have an iPhone. Um, you know, if you go to your wallet on your iPhone, inside of your credit cards, you most likely have a ton of memberships, like your grocery store membership, 
your your X Y your gym membership, your, your your next flight's tickets, whatever that may be. So imagine that if you have all those NFTs down the road, like if we were to go mainstream tomorrow, how would you organize all those NFTs? You'd go you'd go on OpenSea and just keep scrolling. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's an ugly that's an ugly experience for sure. Yeah, so we're exactly so one of the features that we haven't even announced yet. So I'm not gonna give you a ton of information of that is that we want to use like um, machine learning to basically identify and automatically categorize your the NFTs that you have in your wallet, whether that's even a custodian wallet, whether that's your own wallet, um, and basically automatically categorize your entire wallet. Like how awesome that would be if you have like thousands of NFTs having the option to say, okay, show me, show me my, you know, memberships, show me my airplane tickets. That's something that no one has announced yet because it's not needed yet. It's most likely, you know, like people were are going to need this feature six months down the road, 12 months down the road. It doesn't matter. We're working on it today though. Right. Because at some point it's going to become relevant. Makes sense, my man. Yeah, I would definitely get it working today so that actually in the future you don't have to like retrofit it. Uh, you know, kind of future, you're future proofing that experience. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh oh, we lost Tim. So, uh, yeah, man, let's go. Uh, I like, I like your project, man. I, I like your, I like what you're building. I like the tool set. And uh, I think you guys are going to do really, really, really well. You're also like a super positive person in the space. So it's awesome to have you. Uh, you know what I mean? Like to have you and like interact with you on a regular basis. Stacky, you got a question? Hey. All right. Hey. So, <laughs> so Evan, um, hey. can you tell, just tell um, us a little bit more about, you know, the details of the project? Like what exactly does Mentify do and what, what problem does it solve? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think that, you know, when it comes out of a problem, um, I think that the entire space has a massive problem right now. The fact that on the trader side, you need to use multiple tools. You can't just use a single platform or a single trading tool. And then if you use that tool, regardless, you still have to use those marketplaces. Uh, so from the trader side, um, just a, a trader that hopped on into Web3 and started trading, like we basically bring all these tools that you need under one roof, plus you can manage your asset, plus you can quick buy within the next few days, we're going to be rolling out the quick buy option. So you can quick buy basically NFTs across mar different marketplaces. So technically the biggest problem that we're solving with the pro tools today is that you don't have to have 50 tabs open on your Chrome or Firefox to trade NFTs, to snipe NFTs on secondary upon reveal, or to even to mint NFTs, uh, as a trader, uh, we're going to have minting from the smart contract for 80% of all the deployed contracts that actually allow that. Um, so it's all about convenience, having like a single uh, platform that's like, you know, forward in terms of like the experience, it's innovative and that's constantly evolving. That's that's the beauty of it, of what we're building from a pro side. And then, of course, the, from a creator standpoint, I think that, you know, the USP there is the unique selling point there is obvious because you don't have to spend like a single dollar to get started on, you know, working on your collection, launching your collection. We provide that infrastructure for you for managing your allow list to deploying a smart contract and you can focus as an artist on what matters the most, which is creating basically. Right. And we want to make sure that we support all these artists. Um, but it's not just for artists in general. Like if you want to deploy a smart contract, if you want to launch a, you know, a token, get an NFT for instance, right. 
whatever that may be. The idea is that you're going to do that for free through the platform, and we're going to get a commission out of the um, total sales, which is which is fair, basically. Uh, and then on the infrastructure side, the problem that we're solving is if you're a startup today and you're excited about blockchain technology and you understand that this is the future, whether other people want it or not, <laughs> and it's going to go mainstream within the next few years, if you get that, starting from scratch today can be costly and time consuming and in many cases impossible if you don't have experience building in web two, uh, or extremely difficult, even better, right? So we want to provide the infrastructure for startups with just a couple lines of code through our API to build products basically on top of multiple, multiple chains, multiple different chains, depending on what you're building. Um, and then of course support like institutions when they decide to hop into the space and family offices and anyone who wants to get access into historical data so they can build algos, for instance, on top of our infrastructure, want to make sure that this is something that we make available to the market. Does that make sense? Yeah, I see. I, I, let me break it down a little bit. It's basically tri pro trader tools, um, and uh, you know, people allowing people to, to buy, buy, sell, and trade a lot easier with your tools. Then it's the creator tools, which allows people to create without having any any upfront um, liquidity, and also without having to assemble a giant team and all that stuff. And then there is the uh, the third piece, which is your API, or or actually your set of proprietary collections where people can actually build on top of your infrastructure other things, kind of like having like a Shopify um, app store or a, uh, you know, third-party store for, you know, uh, WordPress. It makes Yeah, but these, yeah. these technologies yeah. don't have to be like uh, yeah. as part of Mintify. Like it's not going to be like WordPress having a plugin. No, for... I, I hear you. It's a, different, yeah. it's, a different, it's a different set of tools for people to just keep, just like allow people to build on top of. I get it. Yep. Makes perfect sense. I like it. I like your heads at. Is that, is that answer your question? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Lucas. Oh, you're so very welcome. So that's pretty cool, man. When does some of this when is some of this stuff when uh, like when do you see uh, the time horizon of this stuff launching? Like you already told me the pro the trading tools and things like that are already live, you said. Yeah. Um, to some um, extent. When do you think the other pieces like launch? And uh, my question is, do do you think you're possibly focusing on too many things? Because no. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say a master. Sure. I was gonna say there's like a lot of people like focus on one category and build that and do really, really, really well in that. Right. Once that's built out and you have like a, you know what I mean? Like that is kind of like yeah, eighty or ninety percent automated, and you have like a user base and everything like that using it like consistently. Then you build out the. Uh, I'd say then you build out the the other parts of the tools, but I see you're obviously doing it in parallel, so. We're doing it in parallel because it's complementary. Once again, um, you know, we we've been in a roadshow this past couple of months. We've talked to uh, some of the biggest VCs in the space that are going to be joining around market makers. Some protocols are going to be supporting us as well, being part of our seed round. Um, you know, like I would say that sixty to seventy percent of these people get it uh, because we're interested primarily in like crypto VCs and not like traditional funds. Because um, we, we want to make sure that we don't have that particular discussion like, what are you building? Okay, how does that work, right? Like, we want to make sure that what we're building has an obvious value, uh, you know, down the road to these investors and make sure that we weren't looking for just the funds because uh, you can easily do just a drop and raise the funds in Web3. It's more about having strategic partners. And a lot of people are like against VCs in Web3. And I don't, I don't agree with that because having a major 
crypto native VC and market makers and protocols supporting you is only gonna, you know, it's only gonna help you scale faster, period. Uh, I, I don't think that's even negotiable if you understand the crypto space in general, not just NFTs. Um, so I, we've been working on that for the past uh, two months and we're about to announce our seed round within the next week or so, uh, which is exciting. But in terms of like rolling out all of these, all of these pillars. So again, the pro quant trading tools are available now and we're proving them literally every day. Today, we're excited to actually launch the order book, which is going to help the majority of our community trade better under a single tab. They're going to be able to see like all the listings as they're coming in across mar multiple marketplaces. They're going to be able to see um, all the sales that are happening plus graphs so they can quickly basically trade within a single tab. Um, and then for the creator studio, we're looking at end of August, September, basically. The thing is that it's three different things, but it's technically three different departments. And the way that, you know, each pillar complements uh, the other is because the pro and quant trading tools are powered by our, by our infrastructure, right? Also, at the same time, the infrastructure powers the creator studio and the launchpad. So using proprietary tech, right, in general. So if you think about it, the creator studio, like a lot of people can, bin, can, can build the launchpad at the end of the day, right? You just... You know, you can just drop an NFT on a platform and everything. And it's and it's pretty straightforward if you have like, you know, let's just say some Web2 background as a developer, as a team, whatever. But the beauty of it is that the creator studio plus the launchpad are going to be part of the main core platform that pro traders are going to have access to. So basically, we provide a window towards what's launching next within the Mintify ecosystem. And you as a ProQuant trader member of the community and NFT holder, you're having more incentives versus minting something on Magic Eden, for example, right? So that's how it's complementary, basically. And that's why we're building it. We're building all these three pillars and scaling all these three pillars at the same time. We can't have the Pro and Quant trading tools, right? If we don't have the infrastructure. And since we have the infrastructure and we're working on that every day to improve the Pro and Quant trading tools, why not make the infrastructure available to the market, right, to the Web3 community as a whole, basically, to all future builders, plus those institutions, so they can have a head start when it comes down to building, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense, my man. Uh, it's a very good explanation of what you guys are doing, for sure. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if anybody has any other questions here, Tim or Stacky, what are your thoughts? You good? I think I learned a lot <laughs> just in, and I'm excited. Is So just for clarification, when is the official launch date? Yeah, so you can get access. Uh, we've only released like uh, a few passes, like 580 uh, passes. We're going to be doing another drop, but, um, you know, we're, we're not, our goal is not just to sell out like 2,000 passes. We're going to be opening up. So we created another proprietary technology that basically, that's basically an innovative way for you uh, to navigate through Web3 and basically get offers based on what you're holding in your wallet. So long story short, later in August, around we're going to make an announcement tomorrow on that. Later in August, we, we're going to be partnering up with a few blue chip communities and alpha groups. And as you're signing in through Mintify, even without holding a pass, instead of paying for a subscription plan such as monthly, semi-annually, semi and so on, uh, if we identify that you hold, let's say, a doodle, for example, we're going to be giving you like seven day free access. If you hold a Moonbird, you're going to get like 30 day free access. And then we want to make sure that we open up the platform to, for everyone to see 
you know, and compare it to what's available in the market so they can decide themselves whether it's worth it or not. And then since you're going through the trial, we're going to initiate like a discount for some of the plans, again, based on the tokens that you have, which is a technology that we're building. We haven't seen anywhere else. I haven't seen anywhere else personally. And it's something I think that it will become the norm uh, for this whole space down the road, because that's the beauty of Web3. That's the beauty of, you know, blockchain technology. The fact that, you know, you don't have to use coupon codes anymore, right? You as a consumer, as a user, as a front end user, you can just sign in into a platform. And if they have a partnership with Clonex, for example, you get a 20% discount. You're like, oh, look at that. You don't have to go in Clonex Discord and grab a code, <laughs> you know? So I'm, I'm super pumped about that feature, particularly. Yeah, that, that sounds interesting, um, for sure. I mean, it's basically saying if you have this token, you get this percentage off. So yeah, basically it's giving a new utility to NFTs is percentages, percentages off when you go shopping somewhere or do something. Yeah. Makes sense. Sounds, it sounds interesting. For sure. Speaking so of some question, of those, oh, go, go for ahead, it. Tim. No, go for it, Tim. No, I was saying, speaking of some of those blue chip NFT projects you're referring to, what are a couple, for example? What do you mean? A couple that we're partnering? Because I can't reveal that, you know, a day before. Uh, but in, or, or in general, for me. Uh, I was asking the first one, but uh, answer the second one for us. Well, I mean, I'm a big fan of, like, Moonbirds. I've been following Kevin Rose, I don't know, for the past, like, 15 years, probably. 12 years. <laughs> uh, since the times of, like, Dignation and Dig.com. So, I, I, you know, I've seen him build in front of my eyes. Um, he was part of, like, Google Ventures. He's got some incredible background. Um, he's, he's, he's built like great businesses and ventures before. So in my eyes, I just feel like he knows what he's doing because he's a visionary. He's trying to innovate as well. Uh, so I'm betting big time on Moonbirds and the proof ecosystem at this point. So definitely in my eyes, like the number one, I'm a big fan of Yuga. Um, cause I was, I was part so of basically, the basically you're, you're basically going to do just bas the blue chip ones. So you're going up for Yuga. Which basically in, involves the crypto punks, the board apes, mutant apes. Yeah, I mean it's a no-brainer. You're going after Moonbirds. Yeah, you're going after Moonbirds. You're going after Cool Cats. You're going after like all the real like um, heavy projects that are that have a pretty good floor, like the Doodles stuff like that. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm the CEO of two different businesses. I I don't have the time to day trade, even though I, I'd love to. I find it very interesting, especially at this uh, during this beer market. Uh, there are yep. a ton of opportunities out there, but yeah, man, I mean, I want exposure into some of these brands that I know that they're going to be big based on my experience and my background. I know that they're going to be massive in the coming years. So I don't care about the floor price of apes or clones, whether it's 10th or 50th today. Uh, it's more about having a, you know, being a collector and, and, and holding that for the, for the years to come. Um, but also excited to see what are they building? Like for instance, for Yuga, I'm not excited about like having an ape as my PFP uh, <laughs> or an other yeah, thing, but no, I'm, excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about their game, dude. Like yeah. I've played the demo and I was like mind blown with the technology that they're building. Like I've never seen that having 5,000 people through your, through, through a single tab on, tab on your Chrome, like with zero lag and 30, 45 FPS locked in. That was insane. That was like yeah, that's pretty cool know. for sure. It looked uh, it looked a lot like Ready Player One kind of a user experience too. True, it was very uh, you know like that open world kind of feel to it, and I was just like that is really cool. So they're trying to, pretty sure that's what they're trying to emulate is the Ready Player One user experience from the movie. That makes Absolutely. a lot of sense. 
And Absolutely. yeah, it makes sense to go to the best of the best. I mean, it's like developing an app on, uh, I, like whether you choose iOS or Android, most people choose iOS because the, the locked in ecosystem, if you get it right, that's where you can test whether it works or not. You don't go to Android to see if it works and try to optimize for 150 different devices. You go after one, de basically one device that everybody has, which is an Apple, and, uh, you know, an iPhone. So. I think that the USP of Apple is their SDK. You know, they've built it by developers yep. for developers. You know, and of course, like the ecosystem. Obviously, the fact that it's the most popular phone out there uh, in the states and Europe and so and on. And it's like fixed. It's fixed. So if you get it right here, you know what I mean, on, on the iOS, you get it. Basically, you get it right everywhere. Like if it works here, it works on Android, no matter what. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you even yep. want to port it over to Android is a question. You know what I mean? Depending on what you want to do with your business. So. True, that's another discussion. But yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely excited about these ones. And of course, like support like artists. Like I bought a ton of like one on ones from like up and coming artists, um, from people that, you know, like I want to support because I you know, just from the perspective of like the art, uh, I'm not a collector. I'm not gonna, you know, like present myself like I'm a this big ass collector or anything. Like <laughs> my wife's mom is actually an artist, um, pretty reputable painter in uh, in Greece. But uh, I have zero relation. Like I was into, I was always into like illustrations and graphic design. Uh, but when it comes down to like pure art, like paintings and stuff, I have no idea. So from I, I got like super pumped when I realized that I, finally the stuff that I like from Behance and Dribble actually can have value, right? Aside of the utility, aside of the community. Right? I was just so excited. Like, for instance, the illustrator behind Doodles. Um, so basically, I've been following him since 20, 2013, I think, on Dribble, because I was always a big fan of his illustrations. And then I realized that he's actually behind Doodles, and I was like, no way. But on the other hand, it kind of made sense. <laughs> you yeah, know and I mean? the, thing, the thing about that, before he did Doodles, you probably could have gotten one of his pieces for way cheaper. And now he's like so in demand and so like famous because of Doodles. He's super uh, and, and vice and vice versa. He probably he also brought a, a built an audience from Dribble. You know what I mean? Like he already had a huge cult following. And same thing with like people, right? They both did. Um, yeah. And they they both brought in like so many people into the NFT space, but also had that cult following that just followed them into crypto art. So it's yeah, definitely but it's, interesting. It, it's definitely exciting, you know, because. We are basically opening up and we're technically training right now the next generation, the entire next generation, um, you know, on how, you know, what are NFTs, what's blockchain technology. And they're going to be at the end of the day using it the most, right? Not our generation because um, we're like 30, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're going to be doing the most innovative stuff like within the next 10, 20, 30 years um, and evolving it. But the way I see it, it's just it's the first time that you can basically... Like if you're a gamer, if you're a geek, if you're into tech, uh, which is like fairly new, right? Like if you compare it with thousands of years and everything. Um, so, you know, th this is this is something that's like, what, the last 50 years? It's the first time that you can actually hold and, and own and collect like um, digital collectibles that also have value. It's not just that, yes, I can verify that you own XYZ 101 or whatever, but they also have value. So imagine that, in the next five years is going to be the next world of warcraft it might be like other side no one knows it could be probably it is <laughs> i don't know but imagine that people are going to play the game like i used to play world of warcraft 
and they're going to be making a ton of money. So it's all about these new economies and these new ecosystems that are being created. And the limit is literally the sky, right? Because yeah, yes, blockchain technology is not, yeah, blockchain technology is not perfect, but it opens the door for like the next 50 plus years of innovation. That's what I'm excited about is the innovation part. What possibilities are out there, the opportunities. Um, I'm looking forward to it. What do y'all, what's something major, Evan, uh, that you see happening in the next 10 years that people aren't talking about mainstream wise? 10 years. That's like a lifetime in tech. Um, I don't know about 10 years, obviously, like, you know, I, 10 years. So, all right, imagine, I've used this example before. So imagine, all right, so let's say you're a New York City resident, right? Uh, in 10 years, you'll be able uh, to vote uh, using blockchain technology. That's almost guaranteed the way I see it. You'll, as a resident of New York City, of any other like county, state, city, whatever, you'll be able to vote on a blockchain level to prioritize what your government, um, you know, your parliament or whatever is actually uh what, what you want them to focus on. So I think that there's going to be like a ton of um, a ton of adoption from that uh, point of view, because it's kind of like democratizing, in a sense, uh, the priorities of each and every um, government individual, in a sense. So you're like you're electing someone, but you don't really know what are they working on or what are their priorities. So if you go now to feedback.mintify.xyz, we have a roadmap and we give, we give the opportunity to our members and community basically to vote on what's like, what are the most important features to use so we can prioritize on that. So imagine if that was the same structure, um, but on a government uh, level. So you elect an official, but you also vote on what are like the, the top priorities, building in another school, um, working on the, all the potholes, like what is it, right? Um, so I definitely see that as becoming like part of our future in the next five to 10 years, perhaps. Uh, another thing that I'm excited about is SBTs, you know, soul bound tokens that are going to be bound somehow with your ID. And I think that's something that's needed in this space. So you can have like your car title, your, your house, uh, and pretty much like everything that's like super valuable and, and, and can be replicated in a sense. Um, having like a digital version of it verified on a blockchain level. Um, and that's like SBTs. Uh, but we're like kind of far away from that in terms of like, you know, finalizing the technology the way I see it. Um, but yeah, these are these are the two things that are like, you know, insane. And then, you know, in a file system from the file system side, you know, IPFS, we're just experiencing like for those that are familiar, we're just experiencing like, you know, the V1 of IPFS basically these days. And it's like slow. It's like, you know, it reminds me of like Pentium 4 if you've been around since then <laughs> but uh i definitely see like a world within the next perhaps four to six years not 10 years but four to six years in which it's it's you know we're living in a world in which for instance you're creating fragments of like your files whether that's photos whether that's sensitive information so you're encrypting it and creating like fragments of it and it's we're creating like a network in which we as humans and with our devices, we basically power that system, even with the smart home devices like our fridge uh, or the air condition or a phone or, or a Mac or a, or a PlayStation 25, whatever that may be. Uh, we basically file like support that network so you can basically host small fragments of those files 
and it creates like an entire ecosystem. So you don't rely on AWS. You don't rely on Google. That's very Silicon Valley show of you to say that with the uh, smart fridge. Was, uh, I know <laughs> I was, where you're going with that, dude. I know where you're going. I've seen the show. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, I mean, I actually thought about I've it before it. the show. Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know you did. I, it, it makes sense. I mean, here's the deal. Any kind of decentralized platform, like whether it be a file sharing like a BitTorrent yeah. or stuff like that, could create a basically a decentralized file sharing, regardless of what it is. I mean, it could be blockchain. It could be file sharing. It could be anything that's decentralized so that people cannot like take one server down or take one node down then the whole network comes down to the idea of blockchain and so that you can't, there's so many nodes, you can't, you cannot alter or change anything. Yeah. I, so, don't, I, don't, I don't think that nodes is the future. Um, I don't think so either. I think it's, yeah. it's going to be software stored somewhere. And little exactly. Be stored everywhere. Just like, just like file sharing systems. So you know right how it's super you know, simple stuff. Exactly. So you know how like, um, you know, Apple and Amazon um, and, uh, well, who else was it? Uh, Cortana, I think. Like, whatever. Anyway, so they came up together and created, like, an universe, universal, like, chip. Uh, so when you buy, like, a smart home device, like a camera, for instance, starting from, like, 2023, uh, you won't have to pick and say, okay, I'm going to buy an Arlo camera because it supports HomeKit, but it doesn't support, for instance, uh, Amazon's Alexa or Cortana or whatever, right? Um, so they came up with an universal like approach. So they ha they're going to have like a single chip that supports everything starting from 2023. So that's amazing. Right. So I definitely see like a similar approach across like all the hardware devices within the next five to 10 years, because that's the only way to do it. You can't just say, Oh, I'm having like 20. Nodes. That's the way to do it too, to fix electric cars too. our electric yeah. car situation. If we had one universal battery. That worked in every single one of these electric cars. Like we would just be able to switch, like basically switch out, switch out batteries anywhere we go. Kind of like there's a, a there's kind of Chinese... like a propane tank. If you guys ever got, if you ever barbecued before, you would know when your propane's gone, you just switch out the tank and you got a new tank and it's already filled and you just grab a new one and start barbecuing again. Same thing with batteries. Like we, I just hope they do that with uh, with electric cars as well soon, so we can actually just like pull into a place switch out the battery and then bam you got a you got an extra you know a couple of miles or you know 100 miles 200 miles instead of having to wait there to like supercharge your car yeah it's interesting stuff man like um we're uh we we went down the we went down the tech rabbit hole there big time there's a lot of people in there going what are we talking about <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny it, it's like both we could geek out to it all day but like yeah people are just like what but Wait it's informative, though, because conversations yeah, like this is definitely needed. Yeah, but Tim, yeah. my question to you is, man, what's your favorite, what is your top three favorite blue chip NFTs right now? Top NFT blue chip NFTs right now. Huh. Yeah, favorite ones. Like right now, if you have to say, and, you know, some people have different definitions of blue chip. So you tell me what you think blue chip is in terms of like the NFT project and you know, well, well, I mean, we're, you gonna, to we're all going to go through here. Tim's going to do it, I, and Saki's going to tell us her three, her three favorites. So go ahead. No, no, I mean, you, you need to rephrase it and, and make it sound like, you know, if you had to hold one, what would it be, right? And, and you yeah, have... I'm going to go with three. I'm going to go with three. Which, which top three that you, you, you're going to want? Because you're already obviously holding a doodle, so that's a blue chip, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to have a count of that. No, I would say, like, number one, um, you know, light years ahead, Moonbirds, proof collective, basically, right? Um, the proof ecosystem. Then number two, I would say the Artifact Studios with the clones. Um, 
I feel like they're working on something massive. Um, Toodles, of course, it's included. So I would pick for number three, of course, Yuga. Um, Yuga is like, it's a weird one. Like, obviously, I'm a big believer. Like, I would be a fool if I, you know, wouldn't think that Yuga is going to do great things just because purely from the perspective that they have like almost half a billion in cash right now seating, right? So, and they have a great team and they've executed before. So it's just a matter of time the way I see it. You know, I occasionally I, saw, I see tweets that they're like, what is you guys doing? They haven't tweeted for like three weeks. I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, so the way I see it, you know, they kind of come up with something massive in the next, aside of like other side uh, within the next few months. Um, but yeah, these are, these are my three bets basically for the time being. Like there are a ton of good projects that I like, not just from the, um, you know, art perspective, but I like their teams and everything. It's just that there are a lot of teams that they haven't executed before. And I'm afraid that they don't really understand what, what it takes to build the business. And, you know, like the gener this generation, basically, that's currently building, um, the, the people that are like in their early 20s, they don't have any patience at all, um, which makes it even more difficult for them to build because they're only... Not only, but they're they're kind of fixated on the fact that they want to become millionaires overnight. And yes, there are some cases that in Web3 that can happen for whatever reason by minting, you know, something crazy that has like insane value, whatever. Um, but obviously, we're talking about the 0.00001% of whoever is trading today. Um, and a lot of people have that as an objective instead of building something that's going to have value five and 10 years down the road. And it's not necessarily about generational wealth. It's it's more about building something that lasts and being proud of it because money should not be the only objective, right? Or the main purpose behind of what you're doing. For sure, if you pay attention and you're passionate and you have patience, like things are going to work out one way or the other, but it's going to take time. So even though I'm invested in a few projects that, um, you know, I believe in, I feel like it's more of like betting on these projects rather than uh, supporting. I feel like, you know, a good percentage of those projects is, is not going to have the patience to actually execute for the next two years rather than just build hype and execute for the next two to four to five months and then something's going to happen, um, which is unfortunate. But I feel like we have to go through this phase as, as, as a Web3 community as a whole, basically, right? Um, for us to realize, not just as builders, but as collectors, for us to realize what are the teams that you need to bet on and why and do your research, not just whether this guy has done a project before, or whether the art is great, but in general, like when you're betting on a project and you're hoping to keep it for a year or two or forever, you need to do your own research, period. You can't just rely on what your friend told you, right? Yeah, of course. That's the very degen thinking. Uh, most people um, are degens in the space right now. We have to get through the degen phase of this NFT space until we get to actually real utility and building and stuff like that. Tim, what are your, what are your top three favorites, my man? Uh, good talking points. Good talking points. Um, I would have to say a couple of mine would be. It's a good question. Um, possibly CryptoPunks. Uh, in my personal good choice, opinion. good choice. Yeah, that's my favorite. In my personal opinion, it's like owning like a a, a Rolex or something compared <laughs> to a board ape, you know. Um, until they bought them out. Um. Hello? Yeah, you rugged for like a hot second. 
What's going somebody, on? With that, Tim? Are you like somebody uh, called you me. laundry or something? Like, what are you doing? Are you like uh, hanging a picture? Are you out there water skiing? What are you doing, man? You skate? You like ice skating or something? Well, what are you doing? Well, you know, sometimes in life, telemarketers somehow get your information, your your telephone number specifically. And then they tend to give you a ring or a call at the most inconvenient time. But that's not the point. Was that someone was that someone trying to sell you an auto warranty, my man? Bro, yes. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> crypto punks, um let's see, uh V Friends. Top three, only three. Only three, dude. So top three. Go. V Friends too as well. I like Gary V. I like him as a business person. I like how he. Yep. Okay. So crypto punks, V friends, and then. Oh, and then dream catchers. I believe. Boom. I believe strongly in what we're doing. Um, an athlete in the space who is trying to create a platform to help educate others, and that's something I pride myself on, especially in regards to financial literacy, spreading the word, making sure people understand what DeFi is, being in spaces like this. Helping you, Evan, and Stacky, and other individuals host, um, be on spaces, and just spread the word about this technology. Because I know blockchain, like you said, it doesn't solve everything, but it does solve problems. And whatever problems I can help or shine light on, I'm going to do. What about you, Lucas? What are some of your three um, blue chips? Well, I want to go with Saki first, but I'll answer. I'll answer last. But mine's pretty much the same as yours, Tim. Go ahead, Saki. Very, very polite of you. Very polite of you. Ladies first, right? Yep. <laughs> See, Tim. Sexist. <laughs> no, but um, I, I. So you know, I go from an investment standpoint versus what the things that I really enjoy, because I enjoy most of the the girl the girl projects, the female projects. But um, so far, so far called uh, blue chip um, investment standpoint, Yuga, Yuga, anything Yuga tie, probably a boring ape, you know, just because of the what the business model and what they've been able to build so far from an investment standpoint. That means it includes me making money, right? So yep. um, uh, Doodles, I see their their community and and uh, their brand, right? So brand awareness with Doodles. They have like a large, um, you know, growing community along with, you know, you see their events, you see um, pretty much the things they were able to do, the duplicator and, and things like that. So I think they have a pretty good brand and that can go really far. So you got Doodles and then uh, let's see. It's a toss up with the last one. I do like dead fellas. You know, it's a, a woman. It's a woman project. I had to add that in there. But, you know, dead fellas. Um, I do like the brand again, branding, brand awareness. Uh, the horde is is a genius idea. Uh, the idea you know about of the goblins. No, dead fellas. Oh. <laughs> they're like zombies. You said the horde. I was like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. No, right. they're it like is zombies. The, it is called yeah. the horde. I know. Um, it's called the horde. <laughs> yeah, so I, okay, I, so I do so like it. Yuga, yeah. So you have Yuga Doodles and dead fellas. Yes, okay. my favorites. You guys. All right, cool. Um, What's up with you, Lucas? Mine. I'm not going to explain yes, you are. mine the way you guys are. Like, oh, well, I choose this one because I like to, yeah. you know, I like to go to the beach. I want to listen. Listen, Lucas, I want to hear your reasons, okay? 
Um, I want to hear your reasons. All right, I'll give you. I'll give it to you. CryptoPunks because of the provenance, and I just like the style, of the art that CryptoPunks are. And I would say second would be, um, and I'm psyched that Yuga bought CryptoPunks as well. And there was an opportunity to actually buy a CryptoPunk uh, floor, CryptoPunk, about a month ago. Um, it below sixty thousand dollars. There was like tons of them, like fifty six, fifty seven thousand dollars. And now they're already literally double that price. So you could have, you had an opportunity there to actually get in on a, like the OG of OG projects. I would say second would I don't I won't go you like I'm not gonna go to like a a board eight. I'm just not into that stuff. I feel like there's a season for everything, and I agree. Yuga's doing some cool shit for sure. And when you have a lot of money, um, you can do a lot of cool shit it's kind of hard to f up when you have so much money you can just hire the best people for the best strategy and just keep building they had no roadmap forever they you had zero roadmap i don't even remember when they even we i don't even know if we still have a roadmap like they're still kind of like the last roadmap i saw led to like ape fest and that was the end that was the end of their roadmap so their roadmap now is literally just like like verbally communicated you know what i mean like it's hardly communicated like oh we're building other side and that's it there's no yeah, roadmap let, they don't they don't need to have that. a hold on a sec hold on a sec. They, they don't need a roadmap also because it seems like people just are bought into it they just trust yuga and the reason why they trust yuga is because people who bought into yuga early got rich like they literally made life-changing money so no one's questioning zero question of the utility of yuga right now and like everybody's buying into it and the same thing happened with mutant apes although mutant apes dropped for a while down to like three and a half eth and was like hovering around three and a half four eth now they're you know you know in the high uh you know teens of uh you know the the pricing so again it's to me it's yeah i don't know you don't really need a roadmap if you're yuga labs and also yuga labs you know they're again when you when you have a lot of money it's really easy to execute really really well again like anybody that says that you a hundred million dollars isn't going to help you execute better than a million dollars is just make it's just making shit up yeah exactly so yeah they made a lot of money and that's why no one complains about their their uh their nfts or anything else they're just building 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 and everybody trusts them because they just keep making people money so if, if they didn't make people money yuga wouldn't be even close to what it is now and again that's all marketing and hype and all that stuff like making sure people buy into the project that are celebrities and making it you know seem like it's all there i'm not saying yuga's not executing well they are again it's just easy to execute well when you have a lot of money and yuga got a lot of money really quickly if you uh, have a hundred million dollars let me know more than that they have, we, they have way can, more you can they have, they have way more than that what i'm saying they, they made way more than that even like in the first like three or four months of their existence. So can I, um, but can I add something gonna, real quick? Yeah. Uh, right after my third, let me do my third and then you can do that. Um, sure. I would say my third is just out of favorites, not like, I don't know, I guess not business models. Cause I don't know what doodles is doing. I like art wise. It goes crypto punks. Um, I would say doodles, cool cats, just cause of the art. And then it's, for business-wise, I would say it's CryptoPunks because that's Yuga. So that's plenty of 
backing of Yuga. Um, what about V Friends? V Friends is okay. I'm, I like Gary V a lot. I just don't care about the horrible art and the facts. Like, that's cool. That's cool. The, the utility is kind of like a kind of like a, a carnival barkers kind of like utility, right? It's like, hey, you know, buy my NFT and you get to meet with me. Well, you know, you could have sold the ticket. Um, you don't need an NFT to do that. For less. Like you could have easily done it for with just without having to do NFTs and the ticket. And, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's it's for the, hey, I'm using this new technology because he's getting on the hype train too and I'm leveraging it and I'm going to make something successful in the future with it. And I, I get it. I mean, that's, he wants to stay on top of the tech scene and make sure that he is involved in, you know, NFTs in the future. So I, I'm okay with Gary Vee. Like, I think he's great. Like as a motivational speaker, he's a great person to look up to as a young person. So there's no question about it. Like you could have a worse role model. Um, but again, back to, back to business wise, again, I would start with again, crypto punks just because of the providence and the value that they hold eventually they will be the highest priced items. And a lot of them have already gone for millions of dollars. Um, Business-wise, I would say they, because they are Yuga. And then I would say, like, it's tough because Cool Cat's actually pre had a pretty good presentation. They have a roadmap similar to Doodles. And I think Doodles and Cool Cats are basically tied for, hey, it's your A to lose in terms of a brand. Cool Cats are a little bit older than Doodles, so they, you know, their people are expecting a lot more out of them than they're giving. So I would say Doodles and then Cool Cats. That would be my business-wise, because Cool Cats have a lot of money also to execute with. So that's an example of another project that has a shitload of money that, you know, it's either you execute well with a shitload of money or you don't. And it's really hard to F up if you uh, have a lot of money. And, like, if you're not executing the right way, I just, it makes, it's a, it baffles the mind to me at least, because it's like, how do you, how do you mess that up? But. Anyway, that's my my opinion. Go ahead, Evan. Can you, if you can tell, if you want to, you know, no, I just 30, 30 seconds or less. What, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. I gotta, opinion? I gotta hop off as well. I have a meeting in like five minutes. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say that I think that having exposure into some of the, you know, these blue chip ecosystems, I think is is a smart move. Uh, not financial advice or anything, but it's just that you don't have to buy a board ape to get exposure to Yuga. You can buy like another D. You can buy a candle. You can buy you know, something that's like more affordable, let's just say, but I think like any kind of exposure into these ecosystem is going to benefit you in the long run. Totally agree. I think if everybody could afford all these items, I, I would definitely think like grab each one and go because they will definitely be valuable in the future. And you want to be a part of like those communities. Again, you're buying entrance into a community with these PFPs. So there's no question about it. I agree. Um, if someone can afford a Moonbird or a moonbird excrement um or whatever it is uh, and you know if you want to buy a, a dog a kennel club or another other side deed totally up to you know up to you as well like they're they are reasonably priced for sure but they're not like crazy cheap they're like two and a half ETH to three ETH right now yeah but yeah it's like we we take it for granted um evan that we could we could buy these things but most people you know two, two and a half three ETH is a lot of a lot of money so absolutely 100 percent. yeah so uh, thank you thank you for having me lucas i gotta yeah, my I gotta pleasure, hope man. thanks for, for sure. thanks for having me guys team thanks for the absolutely. questions man keep thank up the you, yeah thanks, you've been you. great evan thanks for thanks for stopping in my man it was really good thanks guys appreciate it have a good one. a lot
Yeah, you too, brother. Take care. Bye. So art buying spaces, guys. What do you think about art buying spaces? Like, do you I like them. I do. I do like their art effective? buying spaces. Yes. Yeah. You just so probably got to promote them too, because it's a lot yeah, of artists out worried. here. Yeah, I'm not worried about art. We could. I could easily get tons of people in an art buying space. That's not my question. I'm just wondering, like, what terminology? What terminology you guys find? Like, do you find any of the art art terminology like negative? Like, I think the word "shill" is okay to use because that's just part of the terminology we use in this space. What do you, what do you guys think? Go for it, Stephanie. Chill. I don't think anything's wrong with it. I mean, people, you know, people put negative connotations to, to things that, you know, they don't like. Right. So if you don't like shilling and you're just like, ew, I hate people talking about their project nonstop. But, um, if yeah, I went into a space, Stacky. Yeah. I went into a space. Let me give you some context. I went into some, a space, I think it was like three, four days ago, and they were like saying like, oh, don't use the word shill because it devalues what you're trying to do and just stop using the word shill. And I was like, uh, but that's what we use for terminology is the word shill. So like people understand what shilling means. If you start like pitching your project in the middle like, of a, a conversation, like me and you, Stacky, are like going – Yo, I really like the you know the Yankees. This is so cool. The Yankees are doing so well. And all of a sudden, someone goes, "Hey, so my project is this." And they're like, "We're like, what? Did you just start pitching your project in the middle of our conversation about the Yankees? Like, like, uh, like that's? I think that's our biggest problem in this space. People don't What's the word care. Interrupting people, I think it's called. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's. I've never heard of anybody like that didn't come into a space. Like jump on, it's like jumping on a phone call and just going, I really like the color green, and it's a conference call and people are already talking and people are like, okay. Like I feel like you should master, you know, talking about yourself without, you know, just blowing up the room like uncomfortably coming in and just like, oh, let me tell you about my project. <laughs> yeah, I think, no. isn't that, it's super weird. Like it's super weird. Me, me, you, me, you, and Tim right now having a conversation about shilling. Imagine if someone popped up, wants to speak, and they go, hey, so let me tell you about, my, so my project is a collection of 6,666, and I'm just like, uh, that's happened to me literally like two, three times every single day for like a, an entire year, where we'd be talking in a space, and someone would just like come up out of nowhere, and I clearly saw them just like lingering in there, the space for at least... 15, 20 minutes, yet they still push the button to come up and talk, and they go, hey, so let me tell you about my project. Like, we were just, like, having an awesome dis like, discussion. We were joking around about stuff, and you come up and, like, start pitching, like, right like right in front of us. Like, that's the part I think we need to fix. That is annoying, especially, like you said, in the middle of a conversation. It's like people don't have social cues on not, spaces. I, I don't know. Is it social cues, or is it, like, just... Yeah, you have certain social... You have certain social cues where certain things are acceptable and not acceptable. For instance, just yeah. even having a regular conversation and someone interrupts you, for instance, like that's a, like you don't have any social awareness of how the conversation is going or what the conversation is about. Cause obviously you wasn't listening to the conversation cause you wouldn't yeah, just. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's what I was getting at, Tim, right there. No, someone come, people come into the space and they are not listening to what people are saying and because they just don't care and then they push a button they're like okay i'm gonna go up here and pitch my 
like pitch my project and it's like they don't listen to what people are talking about in the space yet they come up anyway it's such a weird phenomenon in spaces like it it's ha like i said it's happened to me no joke at least like two or three times every single day for 365 days when i was doing spaces every single day um you know for eight hours a day i was just like what are you doing like why did you just come up in the middle of this great conversation and like start pitching your project like facts like remember? something like this you all if you don't would take the time to follow your live.fm i don't know what you're doing please go follow your live right <laughs> something right? random like that. but lucas tell them about your live.fm yeah, it's just a, a Web3 media company we're, we're building from the ground up. But uh, it's basically just a place where people can come, uh, video and audio creators can come and, like, sign up and, and actually get paid for their for their efforts. Um, so we'll see. I'm trying to make it just completely decentralized, too. So we'll, we'll find out how it works. But I'm not completely like... Completely decentralized? Like, yeah, it's going to be completely decentralized, decentralized, hopefully, with a DAO and stuff like that. So we'll see. Um putting the pieces together as we speak but who's drewby coming up here i can't i can't let you out my man drewby is my friend <laughs> drewby's your friend Do you yeah vouch? drewby's a yes he gets vouch? a vouch he gets a voucher he's a cool dude anyway so i think that's the strange part i don't think the language we use like shill or wrecked or anything like that like we could use that language i don't know why it's why it would offend anybody but know your audience when you come into a space and you start shilling a project out of nowhere i don't think using the word show is bad i just think the uh like if you come into a space and interrupt everybody that's bad so. what's hilarious is like they'll always come in with this pitch right they'll be like i don't mean a shill or anything but uh here's my project like what that's exactly what you're doing yeah like, can i get your name yeah first? like let's talk a little bit first but nice yeah that happens that happens that happens too much for sure and uh yeah i don't know man I just don't understand why people don't read rooms. I think it's, uh, I actually think they do. They just don't care. That's my, that's my opinion and I'm sticking to it. I like shield rooms. Um, I really don't care about the term shield. It's just a term, but, um, I like shield rooms and the same end with the individuals that's coming up to shield. I expect the individuals that's hosting those spaces too, to listen as well. Cause I feel some people that host these spaces don't listen. They are just, hosting it for the audience oh, have a platform and oh, not there's no no question about it my man i i couldn't agree more um those people i definitely that's why i cut down when i do a, a space that's like buying art i make sure that people are delimited to a certain time frame there's no way i'm gonna listen to someone talk for five minutes about their project like that's just nuts to me like that someone would want to talk about their project for five minutes in, an, in front of an audience of like a hundred people and be like, like I get, it takes some nerve to come up and talk, but cut your stuff down to like 30 seconds or less. And if we want to ask questions about it, let us ask questions about it after we look at your project and look at your art and all that stuff. Like if we want to know your story after that, cool. But some people let these guys like folks, like you just said, they just keep talking. Like, yeah, because they haven't even formulated a pitch. They're literally just ten minutes on like, like ten minutes in. I don't yeah, think people in. realize how long five minutes is whenever you're speaking. That's I don't know, one of man. my pet I'm peeves pretty, too, Lucas. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they do, man. I don't know. It's just 
if you're concise, you could like come up and pitch a room and then, Hey, my project is this. And I like, I don't want to know five minutes of like what's going on. Like I, the only people that do that are people that are doing something else while they're listening to a shell space. As far as I can, I'm concerned If anybody's letting people talk for like five or 10 minutes, like just carry on. Like I, there, I guarantee you they're not listening and I guarantee you they're doing two or three things in the background while they just go. And it is to build an audience, which by the way, I don't disrespect in any way, shape or form. If you want to do a shill space and build an audience that way, just by like pretending to listen to people, um, you know, however your method is, that's fine by me, but like, it's, it's dreadful for me to go into those spaces and hear people like rambling on, like uh, just continuously talking and no one stopping them, no one preventing them from just, going and going and going and going and going and it's a space full of people wanting to speak yet that there's like one person that just keeps going and going literally and going. Like, themselves. like the energizer bunny just keep going they gotta stop going. though like i think it's the, i think it's the i think it's the host's job to stop them like to save the rest of the audience from having to sit through that and wait like five minutes each person until they get their turn which if it's five minutes per person like that's it only takes 12 people to make an hour <laughs> so it's like are you kidding me if you're like 12th in line you're waiting for an hour to get into a space to talk about your art and it's like no uh -uh. and it's just it's the same like I, I learned how to do that or shorten up my uh, message or shorten up my pitch due to me selling myself and i mean that in regards to being an athlete right whenever you are being recruited you create your resume and your resume is your highlight video coaches aren't going to sit there and watch a 10 minute highlight video of you doing some things that you could have just shortened up the videos that could have been done in like two minutes coaches want videos that are two no longer than three minutes long so, yeah imagine that's a great example tim perfect example of what i'm saying imagine if you included in your highlight video all the times you just get like sacked, right? You just keep getting tackled. It's like there, okay, well, yeah, there's there's like 20 minutes of me being tackled, but you know, spread within the 20 minutes of me being tackled, there's also another five minutes of me like making all these like great running plays and stuff like that. So it's like, but I mixed it all in, so you'll just have to you'll just have to wait through all 30 minutes to see my highlights through the the getting tackled and you know blowing it reels. <laughs> Facts like people should really <laughs> practice pitching in the mirror or at home and keep it at under a minute. 30 seconds is a little quick. I can give them a minute. I, I have the attention span for a, a minute's minute. fine. Yeah, a minute is fine. But if you give them 30 seconds, they take a minute. If you give them a minute, they take five. If you give them five, Thanks. they take an hour. So I can't like, stand yeah. those people, dude. Holy shit. Yeah, 10, 10 seconds or less, which then gets them down to. That's usually what I say, and I don't ever really do 10 seconds or less. Um, unless they start off with, like, hello, my name is Sam, and I'm going to... And it's like, by the time 10 seconds is up, like, they literally just told me their name. And I'm like, okay, you got you to gotta cut that down. So I think I, the note to self, like, note to everybody in, uh, listening also, is, like, when you come in to pitch something, don't think of yourself. Think of the audience. 
you're you're pitching to like yeah like think of like how you would like potentially be interested in a project right like you yeah so again um i think it's really important to make sure that you basically respect your audience listening you respect uh the people who are also up here on the panels using their valuable time to listen to you and like give you some feedback like make sure you respect the not just the audience but respect the people like giving you asking for feedback from because access is a is like a it's not a right it's a privilege access is a privilege not a right you have access in these spaces to really smart people um don't abuse that access because it's again a privilege not a right anyway i think that's it for now i think that's that, that should wrap up our show right now guys um thanks for everybody that came out and uh tim or stacky if you want to say you know a couple last words go for it go for it stacky because you know ladies are first i believe in chivalry chivalry is not dead bye tim <laughs> no but um Thank you, Lucas. Thank you, Tim, for having me up here. Of course, I love to be in your spaces. You give... Saki's uh, our Robin. Saki's our Robin. That's right. That's right. Ride or die. So, yeah. Thank you for having me up here. And this is recorded, too. So, Lucas, yep. um, where can we hear this recording again? Is it going to be on the Twitter page? Are you going to post it on onto uh, a podcast site? Are we going to see a podcast soon? Yep, it's going to be released today. So, uh, but it's also just going to be on this time, my timeline, and also uh, your live FM. So the the Twitter handle is actually at your live FM. There's no dot. And uh, yeah, if you want to find it, that's how you find it. And then the uh, the space will also be on my timeline, and probably on Tim's as well because he shared it. Whoever shared it, it's going to live there too. So boom, the more we share it, the more people we have listening to the space. So good. So I know where we'll expect some more from your live FM. Do we know who's coming on the next show? Can't say yet. It's a surprise for tomorrow. Dun 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 dun. Let's go. And you'll find out. That's what's up, Tim. You got any other last words? Yeah. Thank you all for attending. Um, spaces like these are always great. I love hearing people speak about whatever experience they're going through, whatever projects they're working on or projects that they see people being successful with. We need as many good examples of um, experienced people in the space because we are all learning together. Um, shout out to your live.fm, Stacky, Leslie, Season, all the dream catchers that attended Balcony. Uh, Dow, I cannot wait to uh, talk to you in regards to real estate. Uh, looking forward to this space coming up. Um, shout out to Dreamcatchers and Gutter Punks. What? We're what out, Lucas Bean. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, thanks for everybody coming out. You guys rock. Tomorrow, same time, doing another show every single weekday. That's what's up. And uh, see you all tomorrow. Take care. <laughs>